The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power in captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, all right, hour number two. And the first hour flew by. And again, you can always hit us up on the Odyssey app. Get that rewind feature going wherever you go. Bring the Odyssey app with you. You can listen to all of the betql programming of course we're on here nine to noon betql daily every day monday through friday joe and aaron are off this week so mark drumheller and i are sitting in today on this president's day hope it's a good one for you we had a great first hour still to come we got an mlb uh segment with mlb dream he breaks down all the free agent signings we have pj glasser coming up later on michael buff will be telling us about uh, hockey that stadium series guys are dressed up like rocky dressed up players are dressed up like the sopranos at 80,000 people at MetLife. Mark was there. Good stuff. But let's get into the NBA as we start the top of this hour. All-Star Game shenanigans are over. Finally, I think it maybe is a day too long. I mean, Mark, would, would you would you be upset if there was no All-Star Game? Just the, the, the slam dunk and the three-point contest and the skills and the rookie game. Would you be upset if there was no All-Star Game? No, I wouldn't miss it at all. And I even the skills competition and, and that stuff, it's fun. And I'm not saying they should get rid of it, but to me, like, it's just, okay. Like it's a nice break or, or whatnot, but I don't, I don't really need any of that. Like, you know, we're better. It's like, we, we want to see games. We want to see fair games that we can wager on, um, you know? And so the, these skills competitions and stuff, like, I, I guess it's fun. It's fine. The actual game I could do without, but I don't, I don't hate it either. Like, to me, it's like, whatever. Like, they're just out there playing, you know, a pickup game. You know, first couple logo shots are fun, and then after that, it's just kind of like, whatever. You know, they're going through the motions. It is what it is. Um, but 
Yeah, I wouldn't miss it. They could get rid of it completely, and I would be fine. Yeah, I think the NBA All-Star Game is quickly heading toward Pro Bowl status. So I was always interested. Yeah. The MLB All-Star Game is probably the only is probably the best one because it's the one that closely resembles the game in the regular season. Now there are people, Mark, that'll tell you that NBA All-Star Game does resemble a regular season <laughs> game with no defense and lots of overs this year. So let's get back to business. Last week we were breaking down the divisions in the Western Conference. So let's go to the Eastern Conference and break down some of their divisions. And today we'll start with the Central. And obviously the players in this uh division you got the cavaliers atop the atop the central then the bucks two and a half back you got the pacers you've got the bulls all four of those teams are in postseason windows the bulls are in player playing game territory and then there's the pistons who've got nothing they're eight and 46 and they're not even that good at eight and 46 monty williams by the way cashing those checks god bless you monty and his agent. I want Monty Williams' agent because holy cow, six years, $78 million, and eight wins for Monty Williams' Pistons. But let's let's get into the let's get into the team at the top, the Cavaliers, who I think, Mark, have got the most to prove. Because last year I bought the Cavs. Sexy, mm-hmm. here we go. Hey, we're back. And they literally just ran out of gas and limped into the playoffs, got bounced early. This year they look better. They've had, a, despite injuries, they look like they're the real deal. Uh, minus five hundred to win the Central. Their win total fifty three and a half, which is interesting because they're sitting at thirty six. What say you about the Cavs? I like the Cavs regular season. I, you know, I think they, you know, they're going to win this division. Um, I, I think they'll continue doing what they've done. Bickerstaff's done a great job with them. They have the players, Donovan Mitchell. The, the key issue last year with this Cavs team was you you hit the nail on the head. They limped into the playoffs. But also, you know, mentally they weren't ready for playoff basketball. They admitted that. The lights were too bright. You know, they, 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 getting that experience should help them a little bit this year. Um, so they're a team that I see, like, we'll probably see a lot of what we saw in the second half out of them, uh, you know, what we saw in the first half. I think they're going to be a good regular season uh, team much like, you know, Utah was with Donovan Mitchell. But then when we get to the playoffs, I don't know if we should have a lot of expectations for this team. I know we're looking for somebody besides Boston, right, because Boston just has the best roster in the East, and everybody's wondering, well, where can I get value on the odds boards outside of Boston, right? Boston, you know, I think plus 115 right now to win the East. So you, at this time of the year, we want to find futures that have a little bit more meat on the bone, right? But I just don't know if Cleveland's a team that we should be targeting. Yes, you know, the, will the experience help them from last year? Absolutely. Maybe they'll win a round. Maybe they'll win two rounds. But they're not going to come out of the East. So I think that's just too much of a jump in one season. But I love what Bickerstaff's doing. I love what they're building. I think Donovan Mitchell has, you know, really flourished there. You know, with this team, he's got some younger players around him. It's going to be a little bit more of a slow build there. Uh, but – I think this is a this year is going to be a step in the right direction. But as far as targeting them, like in the futures market to win the East, I don't like. I think it's too much. You know, I could play them in the first round, depending on what the matchups are. That's going to be a key. But that's really how I see Cleveland. Uh, how about you, Jim? Are you like somebody who's buying that like they can take a big leap? I know a lot of people are looking at Cleveland or looking at New York as teams that might be able to really threaten Boston, but I'm not so sure. 
Yeah, I, I drank that Kool-Aid last year with the Cavs. So maybe I'm just a bitter Cavs <laughs> better. Uh, you know, they're eight to one to win the East uh, over at Bet MGM. Right now, they'd be set up for a two seven kind of matchup. So maybe a Miami, maybe an Orlando, maybe an Indiana. That's kind of what their window projects. Listen, they remind me a lot of kind of like the Dolphins were in the NFL. They beat bad teams and they lose against good teams. And and normally that's that's a five hundred record in, in you know in the NBA. It, in sports because you know you you only see how many good teams there are so again i think being a team that beats bad teams and loses to good teams doesn't bode well for long-term existence in the postseason so Mm -hmm. i would fade cleveland i think they're close i think maybe a year from now uh, they will be more of a contender. And listen, not to take anything away, they are second in the Eastern Conference. They're, you know, but I'm not sure that they're going to be able to hold off the Bucks. And I wanted to transition over to the Bucks, second in the division. And I get it that the divisions aren't a priority for a lot of these teams. It's it's sort of like somebody's got to win the Central. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? But it really doesn't really matter as as much as it is where you are in the East. Milwaukee third right now in the East. I think what gave us all pause, Mark, is that they fire their coach. In comes Doc Rivers, red flag number one. And they lose seven out of ten with Doc. Now, they brought him in for defense because their defense is atrocious. They're second in the league in points per game at 122. So they score a lot. They give up a lot. The defense seems to have gotten better in a 10-game window, but you lose 7 out of 10, and Doc Rivers, who has a propensity to to spit the bit, if you will, where do you see the Bucs? Do you have any faith in them? I don't, and I really wanted to. Like, going into the year, I really I like the acquisition of Lillard, but losing Holiday hurts them they, defensively. You, they're not that good, and, and they're getting better. Now, that I think I want to say they're – just outside of the top 10 in defensive rating in February, very small sample size, right? Level competition is going to, you know, ha- have, uh, you know, part of that. So we'll, we'll see how they finish the month out. Uh, indeed, but still net rating, they're 15th. Like they're just, the way they're constructed is just not good. And and the sacrifices that they made to get Lillard, like I'm not sure that's going to pay off. Yes. It takes some pressure off Giannis, but um, I, I, I don't know. I think that was a step in the wrong direction. I, I think what Boston did, obviously, is is working out a lot better. I don't have a lot of confidence in Doc Rivers. Like, I'm from Philadelphia, and I don't think everything that happened here was on Doc Rivers. Like, the culture was not good with the Sixers. Probably still isn't good, even with Nick Nurse. Um, and, you know, I thought it was a bad mix. Like, you know, Rivers with his playoff uh, – shortcomings, you know, coming into Philadelphia into that situation. I thought that was an odd fit, but here with Milwaukee, like again, having to come in and ultimately like save the season, that's a tough spot. And I just don't know if this team, like the way they're built, if they have enough defense to where when we get to the playoffs and it is a half court game, is it going to matter? Because they're going to play teams that are going to be able to put people on Lillard, you know, and they're going to be able to take him out of the game. So, I don't know. I, I don't like Milwaukee. You know, it, again, are they going to be better, you know, down the stretch here than they, what we've seen the first half? Sure. But is it going to be enough to really do anything and move the needle, do what they brought Doc Rivers in there to do? I don't think so. I, I don't think that's the case at all. I don't 
I, I, I think they are what they are at, at this point, and they're not going to be a great defensive team, and I think that's going to hurt them when we get down into the second, third round of the playoffs. Yeah, six to one to win the chip, three to one to win the East. I like them actually. They're plus three twenty-five to win the division. Now, if if you go by last mm-hmm. year, and if you think the Cavs are going to run out of steam, they're two and a half back at Cleveland. Now, the, the question is, like we talked about, teams don't really turn it up a notch to try to win a division. I get that, but plus three twenty-five, two and a half games back, and if you believe Cleveland can't finish, not a bad. Not a bad bet there, and their win total is 50 and a half, and they're sitting at 35 wins right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a floor, though, because they make the change to Rivers, and now we're giving it time, right, for us in order to see the results. It's like, okay, we'll give Doc some time to get settled in. He even mentioned today, he said all these odd comments that, like, you know, he didn't want to come in until after the All-Star break, and it's almost like he's setting himself up for excuses. But if it doesn't get better, and they, they don't win games and they don't start closing the gap, you know, with Boston, how is that going to impact the team, right? Like, it's, could this be a situation of where it's like, hey, you know what, we, we just see the team not respond to Doc Rivers? And then what does that look like down the stretch, right? So to me, it's, it's the dynamics between the culture and, and firing Griffin early, getting Rivers in there, Rivers not having success, him saying that, admitting that this is a difficult situation for him to be in, I think the floor is a lot lower than what you'd expect for Milwaukee. So, you know, expecting them to just kind of turn it on, I'm not too sure. Can they catch Cleveland? Absolutely. But I think Cleveland's a pretty solid regular season team. So it, the Bucks are the one team in the East that probably have the most question marks, that probably have the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. So I'll be, I'll be fascinated to see how it plays out, but I don't have a ton of confidence. Now, Indiana's a fun watch, and they're a fun bet because auto bet over with them. You know, 120, almost 124 points a game, historic offense, uh, disastrous defense. You know, they got Pat Siakam to try to help out a little bit. Uh, Of course, they have Tyrese Halliburton, who's always fun to watch. Um, Right now, they're sitting in the sixth seed. They're they're in the playoffs, game and a half uh, in front of Miami to stay out of the playing game. Uh, 45 and a half, their win total. They're at 31, uh, 80 to one to win the central. Again, I don't think that's anything, but do you think the Pacers could do some things and, and, and actually have a long run in the postseason? Because obviously shooting the lights out is great, but can you do it over a long haul in the playoffs when the defense cranks up? Right. It's going to be tough. And, and last year, you know, we saw with the Kings, right? Like the Kings were able to win a playoff series, I think, before. Did they lose the Golden State in the first round or the second round, right? They won the playoff series and then they played Golden State, um, I believe. And similar thing here with the Pacers, right? I think that, you know, if they get the right matchup in the first round, could they be a team that you could target, you know, as a dog in a series to get a potential upset? Sure, it could happen. I mean, we we talked about Cleveland. If Indiana is able to run them with Carlisle, get some points on the board early. Um, maybe, you know, Cleveland's a team that if they lose a game one or a game two, you know, on their home court in the first round, then all the thoughts of last year could start coming back to the surface, right? Like, uh, you know, is the, is the spot too bright for them? I don't know. I mean, it, Indiana could be a team I could see upsetting somebody in the first round, but not a lot of long-term potential there. Definitely not going to win the central division. Fun team to watch, though. And, you know, Cleveland, you mentioned Miami. Like, the seeding in the East, 
I think it's going to go a long way in determining like what teams need to be on upset watch. Because if I'm the Cleveland Cavaliers, as bad as Miami's been this year, I, I might not want to see Spolster in the playoffs. Like, right, exactly. Exactly. They they just find a way. They're a game and a half behind Indiana for the sixth seed to, and to stay out of the play-in game. Always interesting. Chicago, well, they're plus 360 to make the playoffs. Right now they're sitting in the 9-10 playoff game as the ninth seed. And real quick, Mark, the Pistons, eight wins, win total 14 and a half, plus money if you want to go over 14 and a half. Do you think they can win seven of the next 18 games to get you that over 14 and a half wins? I don't know if I want to spend my spring doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Betting on the Pistons team total over. There's just better things to do with your life, right, Jim? We all love betting. We like to find value. If you like the Pistons, pick some spots in the schedule where there's going to be some market inefficiencies to where they can sneak up and cover. Obviously, the market very low on them. If you expect them to overperform over these, you know, down the stretch here, um, you know, in the NBA, I, I would say just target them that way on a game-to-game basis. That's probably the best way to attack it. You find some soft spots where they're getting too many points and they can step up and, you know, steal a cover. But I don't want to be counting wins for the Pistons. Yeah, if they could, if they won eight out of fifty-four, I don't know how they're going to win seven out of eighteen. So maybe we'll take a break on that. Interesting, but we will take a break. Coming up next, it was all a dream. That's right, spring training gets underway this week. MLB Dream is here, breaking it all down for you. Baseball is next with Mark. I'm J Rod. It's BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex oh <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. All good things, my friends. I want to remind you the BetQL five-star weekend hosted by WFAN Sean Morash and Pat Boyle is your go-to for wagertainment insights. Use BetQL's star rating system. They break down the top bets of the day and week ahead with their experience and wit. Morash and Boyle make sports betting accessible and entertaining. It's got to have some entertainment in there. Tune in for informed analysis and predictions to elevate the, your betting game. BetQL five-star weekend airs 9 to noon Eastern. So now you got your weekend set with my man, Mark Drumheller. I'm Jim Rodriguez. All good things on this President's Day weekend. Hope you're off. If not, enjoy. We'll give you some uh, ways to make a couple of bucks. You know, maybe you're making overtime. Time and a half. Here's a little bit more to sprinkle on that paycheck. Bringing in now, we are this close, this close. Spring training games start on Thursday, 39 days to opening day. And our guy, MLB Dream, joins us. He's a baseball contributor to FTN Fantasy, FTN Bets. And Dream, I'm a Dodger fan. I live in Miami. Mark's a Phillies guy. I'll tell you what, nothing more to look forward to but good baseball coming up. Thanks for hanging out with us today. And I guess my first question is spring training. This is your jam, brother. Yeah, I've been doing a countdown for, what, a couple months now, and this is always my favorite time of the year. There's really large edges in in spring training if uh, you know where to look and where to get the information. And I can't wait, man. Like you said, it's here. It's on Thursday, and we have a kind of not a large slate, but a handful of games on Friday, so I'm ready to get going. So, yeah, so 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 I'll, I'll kick us off here. And I guess that's the first question really all my friends tell me. Oh, so you're into, you're into sports betting. Okay, cool. How do you bet spring training? Well, how do you bet spring training, dude? Well, I mean, yeah, it's tough. A lot of people tell you this is kind of a degenerate behavior. But in a lot of these smaller markets, it's really inefficient. And you can actually beat the lines. We've actually been averaging about 40 to 50 cents closing line value the last couple years in spring training. It's a race for the information. Like pretty much nobody knows who's, you know, you have an idea of who's going to be in the lineup. You have the idea of who might pitch an inning or two. But other than that, it's a race for the information and not even the sports books really know. So if you're able to get your hand on, uh, you know, 
who's might be pitching after the starter and who's pitching the last few innings, it can give you a really big advantage. Lineups probably don't drop till a couple hours before first pitch. So the second that comes out, people are pretty much racing to uh, to get a bet in. And it's pretty much just reading as many beat reporters articles as you can and just getting as much information as you can and kind of projecting lineups and pitching rotations daily. I think the hardest part of spring training for a lot of bettors is especially ones that might not be as advanced in betting and, you know, baseball spring training is differentiating like the smoke from the noise, right? Like what do they see that's actually going to show them value? Is there anything that you look for like during your process in the actual games when they're happening that can, you know, show the value on the player or even the team level, right? Could be a team and they're like, Hey, they're doing this lineup or whatnot. Is there anything that you particularly look for that sticks out? Definitely, man. Um, More from a team level and you don't necessarily pay attention to the results. Obviously like a starting pitcher's velocity is something that is sticky uh, for the, for the regular season, but I'm not, you know, worried about some guy hitting 350 or a really good player hitting 150. What I do look for is it tells you how deep a team is in a certain area. If they have a bunch of, uh, you know, back on the rotate, back in the end of the rotation depth, those guys are going to be battling it out towards the end of spring training, kind of when everyone else is kind of getting ready for the season, those guys are still out there trying to win a job. And so it tells you uh, where a team actually has a strength and also their weaknesses. Um, so then after, because a lot of those guys will get cut and picked up by another team that has a hole at that certain position. So it just gives you a better idea of a team's uh, strength and weaknesses going to the regular season. I think more so than even just watching the market right now, just kind of looking at the team's roster and their depth that way. Dream, we, we talked about it earlier on in the show that, you know, for it's hard to bet spring training because we don't know lineups and players. Well, we also are missing some pretty significant people who haven't signed, you know, probably top of the list is Blake Snell, the reigning Cy Young award winner. He's, he's the two time Cy Young award winner. Doesn't have a team, you know, maybe coincidence, maybe not. He's a Scott Boris client. Where is he going to sign? What are the odds? Where, where is he going? We, we've heard all these places. What do you, what do you got? What are you putting your money on? I mean, that's what makes it so difficult, especially betting futures right now. Is there's a lot of handful of players that, you know, will put teams over the top and make them legit contenders or even favorites and other teams that will kind of round out the bottom half of their rotation or lineup. It's sounding like Snell is going to New York. Um, we really don't know, but uh, Boris apparently countered to the Yankees offer recently. Who knows if the way would come to agreement, but if that does happen, I don't think it looks too good for my O's in the uh, American League East there. That'll just give the, the Yankees an absolutely stacked rotation. And this is one of the few teams we've heard Snell mentioned with. So I just assume at this point it's the Yankees. Let's shift over to the Baltimore or- or- Orioles. Obviously, some injuries to the pitching staff. Um, you never want to see that this early in the season. They were probably the most fun team for me to watch uh, during the year last year. So I want to see them kind of take that you know, next step. But do you see them making a move for another pitcher? You know, Possibly could they, they be in the race for like Montgomery or somebody who's still out there? Or do they just go through the season with what they have and maybe try and you know, pick up another arm at the deadline? Like, How do you see them dealing with the injuries that, that they've seen so far? It's tough. They do have some depth in the rotation. Tyler Wells was one of their best starting pitchers last year, for the, at least for the first half. And they had him plan to pitch in the bullpen. He'll be back in the rotation. I assume that the prices will be even more, even higher at the deadline. So I'm not really sure um, what their plan is, but it's, it's pretty, I don't want to say it's rare, but it's, you know, with Snell and Montgomery out there, they could make another splash. 
I, I don't see them doing that. My guess is they, you know, internally either Cole Irvin is going to be the five and Tyler Wells at the four at this point, which doesn't give me that much confidence going into the year. Because like you said, they're such a great, young, fun team. I had a great time watching them last year. The most fun I've had watching the Orioles in, I can't remember since when. Um, but it's a little disappointing to have those injuries, especially right at this point. Um, I don't see them going out and spending, you know, another $100 million or whatever it's going to take to sign Snell and Montgomery. Yeah, so how does that affect any sort of win total for you with the Orioles specifically? Because I mean, obviously, we've seen the we've seen the extremes. We've seen the Dodgers one hundred three and a half over at BetMGM. We've seen the A's at the bottom at fifty six and a half. The Orioles won a hundred games last year. They started at ninety and a half. Do these injuries going to affect? You know, am I? I still think that's a pretty good number for them at ninety and a half. It is. um, I think I might even saw something around 89 uh, over the weekend. The thing about it is this is a market that I would potentially maybe even wait for an in-season number on. But after looking at the schedule, the Orioles have one of the softest April schedules in the league. They do end the end April with, I think, three or four against the Yankees. But other than that, that might be only one of two teams, I think, that are above 500 that they're facing. So I don't hate, uh, you know, over 89 at at this point or even a bet on the Orioles division thinking that the number – will be, you know, won't be as, there won't be as much value there at the end of April, but it's nothing that I'm running, rushing out to bet, to be honest. Right. Right. Tell me a little bit about your process. Um, just as far as like home run props, right. They've been obvious, wildly popular on a game to game basis. When you're looking at like home run props or even like season long home run totals, do you have any bets out there and how do you typically attack those markets? So I'm not a general, I'm not someone that bets a bunch of hitting props in season, but I did actually mm-hmm. bet a, a couple home run season long props. And my process kind of there is a guy that was either injured or didn't have great results the previous year. That's maybe being a little bit underestimated going into the season. And I went ahead and bet uh, Fernando Tatis at over 32 and a half home runs. I think that's up at about 34 and a half now. I would still bet at 33 and a half if, if you can find that, but he's someone that, you know, wasn't coming off a full off season. We all, we all know his injury concerns. And then the other one I bet was um, Jordan Alvarez, who I think Mm. only played in a missed about 40 or 50 games last year. So I thought his number was a little low as well. I got that at over 36 and a half. I'd be fine there with over 37 around minus 110, minus 115, but it's just guys that get barrel the ball up continuously might not have the best results in terms of luck, batted ball luck, but I think that you can, can you barrel up the ball and uh, hit a bunch of long balls? Staying nice. in the staying in that NL West uh, dream with the uh, Dodgers. I mean, we talked about 103 and a half is their is their total. It it's how do you how do you bet this team? I mean, I mean, I like Mookie Betts uh, as MVP. For, my analysis would be he's because he's moving to second base, so his metrics, his numbers are going to jump out the page at people because he's a second baseman as opposed to an outfielder. How, how do you bet the Dodgers? How do, how do you get your head around a team that's supposed to be good, that's supposed to win it all, and already has a 103-and-a-half win total? It's hard. I mean, I do see them winning more than 103 games, but I'm not going to go out and bet that number either. It's just where it is now. You could have gotten 97 or even 98 in the offseason, so I'm not, not necessarily going to chase that. It's going to be tough, man. You're not going to find much value to them betting the Dodgers on a daily basis. I'm not saying they're not going to win, but you're going to have to look more so at run lines that might not even be – at plus money. And what I'll be looking at is team totals. Hopefully they don't start opening those at five and a half just on a, your regular day. 
But I think, you know, when they're in cores, we'll probably see a team total in the seven and a half, eight and a half range, numbers that we're just not used to seeing. So it's going to be tough to, to find ways to, to bet the Dodgers. Maybe a first five run line, hoping that's kind of close to minus 110 or minus 120 when they have a decent size advantage. But yeah, you're not going to be betting the Dodgers on the money line uh, this year very often. I want to go back to the AL East um, and the Orioles. With those injuries, um, you always try and look at, like, hey, now where can I find, you know, some value in the market? I looked at the Blue Jays. I I still think the Yankees, uh, you know, really don't want to bet into them right now. The Blue Jays, there have been some talks. Like, do you think that if Bellinger doesn't go back to Chicago, could he land with Toronto, have them pick up another bat that way? Um, The Blue Jays also start the season, I believe, with, like, 10 road games. So, um, wouldn't want to bet them there, but as we get into the year, I think there could be some value on them that way. Um, just give me your thoughts on Bellinger and the Blue Jays, and, and if you think if Bellinger does leave Chicago, where he could end up. Right. I mean, you nailed it. I don't want to bet the Yankees at plus 145 either, especially if we think that the mm-hmm. Orioles are going to get off to somewhat of a hot start that might give you a better number on the Yankees a few weeks into April. Man, it's hard to kind of determine where Cody Bellinger goes because like we talked about if he does sign with the Blue Jays that makes them a legitimate contender like not not only in the AL East but in the American League that's pretty much exactly what their lineup needs right now it's just a masher that's gonna have 30 plus home runs with a decent average in the middle of the lineup I feel like the Blue Jays convinced me every year that this is their year and that they signed all the right guys I was big on them last year as well with the bullpen improvements and then the, the uh the improvements on the defense in the outfield I do wonder if the park hurt them more than they expected. I know they moved the fences around last year, and maybe they anticipated more home runs from guys like Springer and Vlad, and that really didn't happen. So I'm a little curious to see if they continue to struggle to hit home runs at home. But, man, I feel like I'm always a sucker for the Blue Jays. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of like the toxic X that, that, yeah, you know what, they've changed. <laughs> They're not going to do that anymore, or they're going to change, or yeah. And then at the end of the day, you're like, "What just happened? Why am I? Why am I? St- why am I sitting here by myself, holding a ticket that I'm not going to be able to cash?" So uh, award season, and, and I know it's a little weird because you know some of these big players don't have a team. Like I like Mookie for MVP in the National League because again, he's moving to second base. What do you, What are you targeting for MVP in each league and the, the Cy Young? So again, this is a market that I don't bet into that often because I do think that you need to do research and work on a weekly basis in the regular season to kind of keep up on where the market has moved. Um, again, these are not bets I've made, but I think Tatis has some value at a, around 12 to 1 or 10 to 1 there. And then also mm-hmm. Jordan. I mean, I think on any, if he was on a normal team without so many other superstars, he would be more mentioned in the MVP vote, but he was, I saw him at nine to one. I really wanted something better than 10 to one with him, but I'm expecting him to hit 40 plus dongs and, and kind of lead the Astros in the West this season. Those are the two looks I have for uh, MVP, but I haven't bet anything in that market. Let's shift over to the AL central um, twins. Obviously the favorite there, uh, you know, Royce Lewis getting a lot of momentum, um, how do you see the central playing out? Do you think there's value on some of the teams lower down the board? Like when we look at a Detroit, I know Kansas city has been a popular team that people are targeting at that number at nine to one. Um, talk to me just a little bit about what you think of those teams and if there's any value outside of the twins. 
I definitely don't think the Royals have any value at this point at, at nine to one. I wouldn't hate uh, having a number at them, you know, at 20 to one or whatever they were a, a month or so ago. I think there was value there. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I have a hard time figuring out the, the Tigers at this point. I need to do a little bit more work on them. They made some solid signings. The rotation looks improved. Their lineup looks a little bit better. But I wonder how, how, how they put it all together. So that's a team that I need to look into a little bit more, especially when it comes to their bullpen. But, man, I don't know if you guys saw um, Shane Bieber's videos from last week. He's back throwing pretty hard. His velocity looks good. The pitch shape looks pretty nasty as well. If he's back to being an ace, their Guardians rotation looks fantastic. And I do think that they have a little bit of value. It's it's hard to bet a team with such a horrible lineup as the Guardians have. But, again, their rotation looks pretty stacked. The bullpen looks incredible. So they're going to have to win a lot of games, like 3-1, to 3-2, to two, which – you know, they've, they've done in the past. So I do think the Guardians have a little bit of value, but I think this is the Twins division to lose, even as small favorites at minus 125. Yeah, that that, that AL Central, that, it, it's one of those dream that somebody has got to win it. So why not us is, is I guess, the, the, the <laughs> mantra of every team. He's MLB Dream. You can find him on X at MLB Dreams, an MLB analyst for FTN. Thanks for hanging out with us today, my friend, and we will definitely be touching base during the regular season. Coming up, College Hoops is heating up. Well, we got some breaking news out of the association. Yeah, with Mark Drumheller, I'm Jim Rodriguez. We got a woge bomb on a holiday. Man, it never rests. The Brooklyn Nets have fired head coach Jacques Vaughn. Uh, the Nets 21-33. and 33. Not an impressive record, but there were only two and a half games out of the play-in game behind the Atlanta Hawks. A surprising move, to say the least, because they just gave him a multi-year extension just this offseason. And, you know, he took over for Steve Nash. Uh, Mark, interesting. I mean, I, I can only go by our friends at Friday, man. How you get fired on your day off? Man? How you get fired on vacation? Jock <laughs> is out in Brooklyn. It's not a good day, right, when you get fired on your day off. So uh, this one, I mean, I, I felt like he pro- it's a bad situation there in Brooklyn. Right? It's, like, it's a tough spot to win with all they've been through and all the, you know, Ben Simmons is there. He's never on the floor and that whole situation. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like you just gave him an extension. Is it are, – are we jumping the gun a little bit? Like, is this a little bit – I would have liked to see the season at least play out. Like, what good does it do – firing them now I, I guess that's my question to you Jim like why do it now like I get it they're two and a half games out of a play-in game situation and maybe again I don't know and I don't I'm not a Nets insider uh and I'd have to make some phone calls but is it are you trying to sort of get a little spark into that locker room that hey you're two and a half games out we can make it and maybe Jacques wasn't the the voice or his message, there's got to be something else because all of a sudden this is a team that wasn't expected to really be that good. It's a rebuild mode, and yet, you know, at two and a half games out of a play-in game, not the worst-case scenario for Brooklyn. So you just got to wonder if there's any sort of breakdown between Jacques and the general manager, the locker room, some sort of, uh, you know, differences, philosophies, because yeah, you just, again, you just gave this guy an extension. So if you're handing out money, listen, I've got a, I've got a Venmo account that I would love to pass over to the Brooklyn Nets. You know, if you're just going to give people money and then get rid of them. It, it's, it's curious to see where this comes out already on social media, the words shocked disappointment, 
confusion. Those are the words that are that are being bantied around uh, out there. It's it's an interesting situation. And then of course, Mark comes the okay. Well, who takes over? Right. Who's going to want to take over? And this is a bad look. And this is why I'm not a fan of unless you really, really need to do it. Like, I'm not a fan of firing your coach in season because I think it puts you in a bad situation. That exact scenario that you you spoke of, you know, Jim, let's say they do bring in, you know, an interim coach or whatever. You know, he sits and then he does get a spark. Right. So now at the end of the year, you got to make a decision on this guy. We saw this in the NFL with Anthony Pierce and the Raiders. Right. You got to make a decision on this guy on whether, like, he's really the right guy going forward that you want to commit to. And then the players get attached to him. And then there's a dynamic there. And you have to wonder is, hey, was this just kind of like a new head coach bump? Or is this really the guy that we want to, you know, steer our new direction? You know, is that what we want? And so I, I think it's just bad. It just puts you in like a weird situation. Even if they have success, like if you're doing this right now, do you really need, like if you're the Nets, were you really counting on that playoff revenue that much? Like is that really what this is all about, right? You need to get some home playoff games? Like you needed the money that much, you got to fire them right now? I don't understand it. I don't think it makes it attractive for other coaches to want to come there. And I think you could pigeonhole yourself into a situation of where, hey, you know what, you bring in a new guy, you don't know if he's really the guy, he might just get a spark for, you know, a a couple months here down the stretch, and then you have to evaluate that situation instead of just let the season play out, you weren't going to win the East anyway, right, you you had a ton of, like, you know, roster changes and things of that nature, let it play out, make a decision in the offseason, see who's available, see if they can bring in, move this franchise to where you want it to go, but to me, a little patience would have probably been a better here than, uh, you know, just firing Vaughn in the middle of February. Yeah, it's a 28-game season now for whoever takes over uh, the Brooklyn Nets' head coaching job. And, you know, can they push him over the top and get him into a play-in game situation? Again, they're only two and a half games behind Atlanta for the final play-in spot it wouldn't even be a home game. <laughs> They'd have to go to Chicago or somewhere. So it, yeah. it's, an, it's an interesting situation uh, in Brooklyn. And again, it just reeks, reeks of uh, the fun in dysfunction. All right, let's go back to the college game. P.J. Glasser, by the way, is going to join us next segment. I'm sure we'll get into more college hoops with him. I'm sure we'll get into some golf. Uh, probably even talk about the the Orioles and, and, and their woes to start uh, the spring with their injuries. But uh, again, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, you know, UConn seems to be head and shoulders uh, above it, and they've proved it with their win over Marquette, just uh, staying in the wall over in Hartford, while Purdue, who was granted and, and, and crowned the number one overall seed by the NCAA committee, goes out and, and lays an egg at, in, in Columbus. Uh, I wanted to touch some other things, some other teams we didn't talk about, maybe down the board a little bit, and maybe on the West, because I'm a West Coast guy. You know, I always, always want to give the West some love. What about Arizona? They, according to the committee, they're number one in the West. They would be with Kansas, Duke, and Auburn. Arizona, you know, very quietly, a team that Purdue beat, by the way, uh, just out there in the Pac-12, just doing their thing. Uh, are, are are they some of the team we should be keeping an eye on to make a deep run? I think it's possible. I, I want to see more, you know, at Arizona. I feel like it's almost like there's three tiers. If you include uh, – well, it's actually UConn's their own tier, and then there's a second tier, <laughs> and then there's that lower tier. But Arizona is kind of at the bottom of that second tier outside of UConn where they're – 
you know, mixed in with the other probably potential one seeds, right? Purdue, uh, Houston, uh, you know, in that mix. Out of those teams, are they the most likely team to knock off UConn? I think possibly, because when you look at the other ones, you look at Purdue, we don't trust Purdue, right? I mean, we, we've already talked about it. Like, they're not, not even to get enough bit. out of their guards. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't trust Purdue. And then, so then the other one is Houston, and Houston, it, it's the same thing. Like, it's all defense, you know, it, almost similar to Purdue is where if they get in a situation where a team's able to, you know, score on them and, and you know, get up on them by possibly double digits, like, are they going to be able to shoot their way back? Uh, you know, I think we've seen year after year, that's primarily the spot where Houston struggles. And it always seems like always in the tournament, you, you find yourself in that spot. You have to get out of it, right? It, there's a little bit of luck that gets involved in the tournament. You know, you have to skate by sometimes, win a game that you maybe shouldn't have won um, in order to advance. That's why they call it survive and advance. But I think out of those teams, out of the potential ones, I do think Arizona might have, you know, the best chance of knocking off like a UConn. But I just need to see more out of them. Uh, but it's almost by default. Like when you look at these teams, it's like, you know, I, it's hard to make a case for any of them. But I do like Arizona better than the other teams kind of in, in that second half, of, I guess, the odds board when you look at it. Like outside of the top four, you know, Auburn fell flat. Tennessee, they don't have enough scoring. They're not going to have enough scoring when they need to. North Carolina, way too inconsistent, you know, so. I do think there's a little bit of potential there with the the Wildcats worth keeping your eye on. Yeah, and 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 I, and you touched it right there when you said North Carolina. They uh, the committee which put out these these rankings before the Saturday games. North Carolina is second in the East behind UConn. They went UConn, Carolina, Iowa State, and Wisconsin. If if I'm if I'm uh, UConn, I am licking my chops here because, I mean, I think North Carolina way too inconsistent. Wisconsin just lost. Iowa State is a legitimate t- team that I think could make some hay. And even last week we had guys there on the show saying that, that they have bet Iowa State, you know, I think it was 30-1 to 1 to win the to win the whole thing. North Carolina, mm-hmm. they may not even win their own conference. And to be the number two seed in the East, according to the committee, that, that raised my eyebrows there. Yeah, I would much rather take a shot, you know, if we're going to talk about Blue Bloods with Duke than I would at North Carolina at 18 to 1. Like, you know, you're going to get a better number on Duke. And I think, you know, what they're getting out of the freshman, uh, you know, McLean, it, I think that they're a team that I could see having more success in March than I than I would North Carolina. The Tar Heels went through that spurt to where they are playing well defensively. Um, we spoke about this with Kentucky to where it's like that's that type of thing you have to watch to see if it's for real, see if it plays out, right? We're going to find out with Kentucky, but North Carolina defensively, uh, you know, coming down a little bit. So I, I don't like them. I, I don't like them. I would much rather take a shot with like a team like Duke. If we're going to get down in the odds boards to where we're talking about like 20 to 1, I'd, I'd be more comfortable with them than I would with North Carolina. Yeah, I made this bet last week uh, to win the ACC regular season. I had Virginia at eleven to one. They gone down to nine to one. Carolina is the favorite minus two fifty. Duke, who you were talking about, they're they're next at two to one. Uh, then Virginia at nine to one. I mean, listen uh, again. I, I I don't know how North Carolina with that wildly inconsistent play, other than being North Carolina. And let's be honest, I've said this many times, especially with the, the you know college football uh, playoff, you know, you go with the teams that 
name recognition because at the end of the day, it's a business. You know, I love San Diego mm-hmm. State. I love FAU. But if it came down to it, you pick a North Carolina, you pick an Alabama in football always. Uh, sorry, Florida State. Uh, but North Carolina <laughs> wildly, I think, overrated at number two uh, in, in the East by the committee. Again, I like Virginia to win. They might not. They might not even win their own conference. I love Virginia at nine to one there. Yeah, Virginia big game tonight, right? Can't wait to talk to PJ about that one. Iowa State, lots of good games, um, you know, in that top twenty-five. That's going to help shape us. But yeah, I just think there's gaps there, man. And I think that you're paying a little bit at this price for the North Carolina name at eighteen to one. They haven't been consistent enough, and there's time, right? They they could. They could show it down the stretch. Maybe that helps us buy in, but the number is only going to get shorter if that happens. So you're probably not in a position where you're going to maximize value on the Tar Heels. Yeah, and and oh by the way, the Mountain West Mark could get six teams into this thing. San Diego State, who was who was in the championship game last year, they were ranked fourth by the committee, fourth in the Midwest. It was Purdue, Tennessee, Baylor and the Aztecs. So watch out for San Diego. That, you know, there's always a little West Coast flavor in there. Uh, FAU lost. They lost to, to South Florida. So all of a sudden, maybe they're coming back down to earth. Miami, the, the last remaining Final Four team from last year, they might not even get in this year. So you're listening to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. You can listen to us on the Odyssey app. You can, of course, watch the show on twitch.tv backslash BetQL. Coming up next, PJ Glasser. Yeah, he hosts Send It In on this very network. He's going to talk. He's going to join us. More college hoops. You know he's going to talk about some golf. That's next. With Mark, I'm J-Rod. It's BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.